Good day, y'all. And welcome back to another monthly episode here at Prairie Ramblings. We are kicking this month's episode off with some lovely nature sounds from the pond feature um, at our friend's So Wild Natives uh, property in just outside of Kansas City. It is so gorgeous. It is so, so, so gorgeous. I had the pleasure of going there right before their season closed for sales and got to see this water feature in action. I posted a video of it on my Instagram. Check it out. It's cool. It was really, really fun to be able to get out and um, talk with Tracy and see all and learn all the good stuff that they're doing over there. Um, so we will get more into detail of that in this episode. I hope that things are well for everyone and also winding down as we enter our winter seasons. Um, I'm personally really excited to get to chop in some wood and tend the fires of the hearth, you know? I'm real, real excited. Real excited to get snuggly, soup weather all the time is what I'm here for. So I hope that you are also able to start to get in the change of seasons mode and tend to yourself, tend to your garden, tend to your stove, your wood, your fire, tend to that fire, you know? And yeah, I'm ready. I hope you are too. We're ready. We are ready. All right. Without further ado, I'm excited to release this episode with Tracy at So Wild Natives. I hope y'all enjoy. Perfect time, Mia. Um, all right. We're here. We're here. Welcome. We made it. Um, So yeah, if you want to just kind of introduce yourself and we can go from there. Yeah, I'm Tracy Twombly. She, her. I am the owner of So Wild Natives. Uh, Me and my husband are the owners. Um, So if you hear me referring to Aaron and I forget to say my husband, that's my husband, Aaron. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is So Wild Natives. We are a native plant nursery here in Kansas City, Missouri. We sell um, local ecotype so Kansas or Missouri sourced um, plants and encourage people to grow them in your own garden. So just to give people kind of a a visual, um, since I feel like we're a very visual experience oriented place out here. Um, We are in Kansas City, but we're actually in a more rural part of Kansas City. Uh, We have six and a half acres here. But we are on a very busy Nolan Road. Uh, we live here at the nursery. So you actually pull behind our house and then you walk down into um, an area that you're kind of invited in by a cabin, we call it. Uh, a cute little um, house-like structure and lots of tables with full of plants for you to peruse around and purchase. Um, our plants have little 
identification tags on them to tell you a little bit about the plant, give you a picture of it when it's blooming, um, tell you what kind of sun and moisture conditions that it needs and how tall it might get. And we also welcome you to peruse around our little acreage here and look at the gardens. Um, we're hoping maybe you can hear a little bit of a water trickle in the background, yeah. which is our built water feature. Um, sometimes we call it a pond, but it's really not big enough to be a pond. <laughs> yeah. But we call it our water feature in the back that has gardens around it and lots of frogs and wonderful little things like that. There, yeah. yeah, totally. So yeah, we've been here for about five years now. Wow. I'm loving it. It's so beautiful out here. Thanks. I'll definitely be having to take some photos because yeah. it's so fantastic. Um, yeah, I think I love the cards that are listed. Um, and I love that there's photos involved because sometimes I feel like, especially with native plants, it's like you buy something and you're like, what's this going to look like? What's going to happen here? Yeah. You know, did I do this right? Or is it going to grow back? You know, things like that. Um, where, you know, if you buy a... A flower, it's going to stay, you know, like a annual flower, it's just going to stay that flower. Exactly. Um, so I appreciate that. And that's um, a very good point, too. Um, especially now that it's becoming fall, especially people who are used to that more traditional kind of gardening, going into, say, Home Depot or a garden center and seeing all these flowering plants coming here they might be like why do your plants look dead yeah right. <laughs> they're, they're not dead they're just um some of our plants will never actually even bloom in the pot it, it might even take up a couple of years to bloom mm -hmm. um at this time of year time of year especially some of the plants are starting to go dormant lose their leaves or it's kind of a fungusy type of year you'll see spots on the leaves and things like that um which a tradition traditional gardening might be like ooh fungus on the leaves that's not good what's wrong with my plant I need to fix it here no that's great that's nature that's yeah what it's supposed to do and we embrace those imperfections yeah definitely definitely yeah and it's it's super cool that we were talking earlier there was this milkweed plant in my front yard that got chomped on by something and it's like, well, it's going to come back next year. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> That's Fantastic. Great. That is absolutely great. The resiliency there is so superb. Yeah. Uh, something that not a lot of other, like you were saying, traditional gardening can say for. Um, yeah. So where do you, you sell plants here? Mm -hmm. How do you like get involved elsewhere with the community other than like through plant sales and things like that? We have done a few plant sales, um, not too many. Honestly, it's a lot of work yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do those plant sales. And But we have, we've hauled them in our Prius <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to plant sales before. Um, but we, we invite a lot of groups actually to come in. Um, we host um, Girl Scout groups and homeschool groups and gardening groups, um, gardening clubs to come in and we talk about native plants. Um, I would say one of the biggest ways that our name gets out there is actually through the Grow Native program. Um, it's a fantastic program started here in Missouri with Missouri Wildflower, or um, Missouri Prairie Foundation, and has kind of expanded to the lower Midwest, but we, they have a 
actually I probably have one inside here, cool. um, a resource guide you can find online and it lists, here's where you can find um, design, landscape designers that use native plants or here's nurseries that provide native plants and you can go to their list and find them and that's how a lot of people find us. Cool. That's yep. really cool. Yeah, I'm really happy that there's landscapers that are using prairies natives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. And we're getting more and more, and the demand is so high, we could really use more. Yeah. And I do want to mention also another organization here in Kansas City is now called Deep Roots KC, mm -hmm. and they're um, an organization that is promoting the use of native plants in the Kansas City metro area. And they've hosted some... Back before COVID, they hosted a lot of really great in-person um, classes and events down at the Anita B. Gorman Center, Discovery Center. And we met a lot of people through there, too. We'd set up a booth and talk to people about native plants, us and some of the other uh, local nurseries or um, organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What got you started? Like, what was your spark that, like, was like, hey, let's do this. Yeah. Let's grow natives like let's let's turn our homestead into a <laughs> sales for native plants like how'd that get started right so it actually started from us fulfilling a, a dream of Aaron's my husband's so um I think he developed this dream when he was in like high school and he did carpentry work with his grandpa and his dad and he decided that at some point he wanted to own land and reforest it to give back the products that he was using in, cool. in that hobby. Yeah. And so about, about 10 years ago or so, um, we got to a place where we could afford to buy some land. So we actually have 92 acres out near Powell Gardens. Cool. And it was um, farm ground. It has some bottom ground in the little Blackwater Creek runs through it and it also has some upland that was terraced and also farmed um, but it also has some great other little gems like a um, a wetland area and a little glade type area even it's it's fantastic wow. um, but we've spent several years slowly taking portions of it out of farming um, especially down there in the bottom ground uh, they were farming you know right up to the creek so you're losing some of that silt into the creek um so we did a riparian zone there there were also some other pastures that were just hay hay fields we turned some of those into prairies and in this process i was just learning all of these native plants mm -hmm. and i i think i mean i'd have to say I, i've always loved nature and being outside but i was never really educated in it but being out there, I was really educating myself and just absolutely falling in love with these plants. I, we always say that Aaron's the tree guy and I'm the flower girl because, you know, he focused yeah. more on the forest and I wanted to be in the prairies. And yeah. uh, not that there aren't amazing um, plants in the forest as well, but I really fell in love with the prairie plants. And I started learning all their names and I'm like, I'm terrible at vocabulary. Like, it's not yeah. my thing. And if yeah. I was remembering the Latin names, these weird words I was right. like there's something about this that I started collecting seeds and just growing them um on my own and that was before we lived here so I was like literally growing them in my driveway and I was like that crazy crazy plant lady you know like with all these plants in her driveway and yeah um so I we started talking about oh maybe I should do this 
in retirement, you know? This would uh -huh. be a fun little hobby, and the more I started doing it, and the more I realized that there, at the time, just wasn't really very many good options for native plants in the Kansas City area, we thought, well, let's do it now. And yeah. uh, we both had full-time jobs, and actually, we both had full-time jobs until I just, quote-unquote, retired. Yeah, my full-time job um, earlier this year. Congratulations. Thanks. You've made it. Uh, yeah. You've made it to the good stuff. <laughs> and oh, now, cool. Yeah, so now I get to play with plants and get my hands dirty every day. Cool. That's great. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So fun. So you've been on this property for five years, yep. was it? Okay, yep. cool. That's really great. And we looked for a property specifically so that we could have a place to live and sell the plants. And this is we're in a Kansas City agriculture zoning here where we can actually do that. Okay, cool. So it was actually finding finding the property was actually difficult and meeting with city officials, talking about zoning laws and all that kind of fun business stuff that we had to do as well. Um, but if you can imagine, it's gorgeous out here in this area. Yeah. So finding a rural piece of property in Kansas City, they get snatched up pretty yes. quickly. Yeah, I was on my drive here, I was noticing how beautiful it was. And I... You know, the rolling hills are just so gorgeous. Yeah. And the rock features yes. on the side are just fantastic as well. Um, and I've noticed that as well in the Lawrence area of just, like, anything and everything. There was a really great property that um, me and my friends were looking at that they it, they asked you, like, it had to be, like, 100% cash or they just have these like crazy specifications that you need to meet in order to like yeah. go to the property and we're like okay 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 we just have to take our time yeah. like we'll figure it out when we get there but um that's cool that's really really cool yeah. I really like this area thanks it's yeah really cool. us too yeah um okay cool well maybe we can jump into just like native plants mm -hmm. <laughs> which is such a big topic but um like the benefits of growing native plants, like how how one grows them. So like maybe we can walk through like somebody coming here, mm -hmm. like looking at plants, like how to go through those processes, like how they how to take those steps forward with what y'all offer here. Sure. Um, I might actually start with defining what is a native plant yeah. or how I define native plant. So um, to me, a native plant was here before European settlement. Um, so all of the plants that we grow were native to either Kansas or Missouri, typically both. Um, the plants don't like follow state lines. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They're ambiguous. Right. Um, so we think that it's important to grow plants in, um, this area because these plants have evolved with our local flora or fauna. Um, all the insects and even up to mammals have this very complex relationship which has evolved over thousands of years. So we grow native plants basically for our ecosystem. We think it's important um, to keep that intact, not just for those pollinators, not just for those mammals those birds, but also for us. Um, we get a lot of benefits from insects and and our native trees and things that we don't even really think about. Mm -hmm. um, some things that are more tangible is uh, water and carbon sequestration. 
So a lot of the prairie plants specifically have a pretty extensive root system underground. That root system is creating biomass and biomass allows the water to sink more into the ground instead of running off. And the more of these native plantings that we can have, especially used as stormwater control, can actually help prevent major flood events. So I think that's a very important reason to use um, native plants. And that biomass, in addition to being able to store more water in the ground, is also storing carbon in the ground. And we think of forest, we talk about forest as carbon sequestration, but our prairies are also important. The more, the more of that life that's in the ground, because life is carbon, right? So the more of that biomass that's in the ground, um, the more that carbon is being stored in there and being processed through the plants, out of the air, you know, um, um, out of our atmosphere. And not just the roots down there, so the whole biomass is also a huge um, <laughs> storage of life of other microorganisms and um, even so not so microorganisms as a lot of our ground nesting bees and um, boy, all kinds of things live under yeah, there and right. create this fantastic network that we hardly ever see. Yeah, yeah, it's this underworld. Yeah. Physically and literally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's really important to note there of the depth mm -hmm. of what these plants can do and the intensity that and integrity that they can have um, in an area. Um, and I think as, you know, um, I guess the climate crisis continues mm -hmm. um, and will be continuing mm -hmm. um, and more uh, changes happen in our outdoor spaces, like you were talking about flooding and other, you know, even droughts, mm -hmm. um, things like that that are happening more frequently, um, planting these um these nature plants that can help those areas is going to be extremely important. Yeah, and it brings up another good point about another reason to grow natives in your own backyard is, again, these plants are adapted to our climate here. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be more resistant, resilient in your yard. Now, you still have to pick the right plant for the right place because some of these um, plants are more, you know, forest species versus prairie species. So you don't want to plant a forest species in the middle of your hot, dry yard yeah. necessarily. So you still have to do the right plant, right place. But if you get the right plant in the right place, it's it's going to be more resilient. It's going to be more drought tolerant. Now, we're still yet to see what climate change is going to, what effect it's going to have even on our native plants. Um, but I believe that they'll probably still be more resilient because they're at least in their their natural habitat to begin with and yeah hopefully helps slow some of that climate right. change as well yeah well and those tap roots go yeah. down so deep yeah yeah <laughs> i love that photo from i think it's a land institute where it's like mm -hmm. that ginormous yeah uh, you can see it they have it in at free state brewery in lawrence which is fun um but i that's such a good representation of like look at how intense this is yeah you know, look at how deep these roots go and how beneficial it can be for like that far down. Yeah, it's awesome. You know? So cool. 
And we haven't even mentioned yet another benefit is they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> they're right? so pretty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They are so pretty. Yeah. And um, around here, like, we were just talking about the goldenrod. There's, um, is that Coreopsis over mm-hmm. there? The yep. little Coreopsis flowers. The grasses. I mean, come on. Yeah. Love a good grass blown in the wind. Yeah. Especially like, now in the fall when they're kind of turning their auburn colors. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think it is cool that they go dormant, Mm -hmm. um, and that's just, like, a really great trait that is, like, cool that to see in a plant and to see them go dormant, um, and to see that life cycle, like, continue and then, like, go through its whole rebirth rebirth process in the spring. Mm -hmm. Um, that is such a beautiful thing to see as well. Yeah. So, there's... You know, milkweed, there's flowers. Do you also have shrubs here, or is it mainly We do. We have, um, especially this year, we expanded our selection of um, shrubs and trees, and actually behind you is our shrub and tree table there. So (laughs) we do have um, a a little bit wider selection of shrubs and trees this year, and we might expand that uh, more in the future if the demand is there. We're kind of testing it out still. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, with, like, conservation, like, prairie conservation, I know that you work with some folks that do that. How have you, how is that intersected with what you're working on? Yeah, one one of our favorite prairies, Erin and I's favorite prairies here in the Kansas City is the um, Jerry Smith Park in southern KC. And, um... We're both Missouri Master Naturalists, too, um, and through that, we volunteer some of our time, and one of our favorite places to volunteer our time is at Jerry Smith, taking out the invasive species. So not only do we promote natives, we... What's the opposite of promote? (laughs) Invasive species, and these are plant... And specifically non-native invasive species. These species are ones that were introduced here from other countries, um, and that take over our natural lands. Um, many of you in this area would probably hear of bush honeysuckle in a forest. Uh, Kansas City is covered with bush honeysuckle. Um, in our prairies, one of our biggest ones that we fight around here is Cerecia lespedeza. Mm. So that's what we've been fighting in Jerry Smith specifically, trying to take out those plants so our native prairie plants can thrive there. So that's, yeah, one of our prairie restoration things there. Cool, yeah. What is it, what kind of, is it prairie restoration or is it more forest in the park? Um, Jerry Smith is a prairie, so they do have, they have some remnant prairies as well as some Mm. prairie reconstruction. Okay, cool. Yep, and then we have some prairie reconstruction on our own property at what we call Harmony Farms. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, and I know you've worked with Courtney Masterson. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, do a lot of other folks that do design work like that buy a lot of plants from y'all? Or, like, how do you interact with them, too? Yeah, we've, we definitely have a few designers that come to us um, and buy larger yeah. uh, plantings of things. And as we continue to um, grow, I imagine we'll hear even more designers Mm-hmm. wanting to use natives and will come cool. to us as well yeah cool how exciting yes very exciting <laughs> i love that stuff yeah they had a really great photo of the design 
you guys have the design of um, this pond that we've been talking about and then the exterior landscape. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. I took a permaculture class um, at KU and that was, we always talked about stuff like that and I remember trying it and how it was really fun, but we didn't exercise for like, you know, do something in like 30 minutes. And I was just like, this is impossible. <laughs> How? You know, like, the, what? I can't, you know, you can't possi- quite possibly do this yeah. effectively. I mean, it was a great exercise to just, like, you got to do this quick, you know, try it out. Um, but So yeah. much research. And so much research. Yeah. And I, it was it was really cool. There was There's some cool books out there that can definitely provide better research than the online internet sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was really cool to see the structure and the layering of the plants mm-hmm. and how much texture and depth can be, ha- like, can happen with um, prairie landscaping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so full. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so full and so beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And w- one of the other things that we're trying to do here with our different gardens is to promote our different native designers here. So mm-hmm. the the pond and bioswale behind us, um, you know, was designed by one designer. And then, yeah, Courtney designed another garden for us. Mm-hmm. And um, we had K-Square design uh, another garden for us. And we're working with other designers for future gardens as well. So people can see um, even a little bit different styles and within the designers and yeah. the plant palettes they like to work with and things like that. Cool. And all of them will have that what you're talking about with those different textures and different layers of the garden and you can really see that yeah yeah oh that's cool that's really awesome to as you're you know here looking at plants mm-hmm. to buy you can you know refer to that space of like oh this is cool or yeah. you know either do it on a small scale or even get in contact with them that's a really great idea yeah, yeah. Well, like we were saying before with the potted plants it's kind of hard to visualize sometimes mm-hmm. so yeah we definitely will be like well, come check it out over here and see yeah, what it looks like, like. This looks good over here. You can, like, do it this way. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the transplant themselves, mm-hmm. um, I want to take a couple minutes to talk about the seeds, mm-hmm. starting the plants, mm-hmm. like, that whole process, because um, I personally had a difficult time <laughs> starting, like, native plants and, like, those more, um, yeah, hardier plants. So I'm curious how... Yeah, oh, that's gone. Yeah, so um, starting from seed, a lot of um, our native seeds have to go through what is called a cold, moist stratification period. Um, we're basically trying to emulate what nature does. We're trying to fake it. <laughs> so yeah. if you think about um, the seeds here, it goes through multiple seasons. Um, a lot of these prairie plants are going to seed right now. Then they sit dormant over the winter where they're snowy and wet and cold and they freeze and they work their way down into the soil and then the next spring they germinate. We're kind of trying to fake that by uh, we take the seeds, we put it in a little bit of sand because it helps hold the moisture. Um, a little bit of moisture in there, a little few drops of water, not too much or seed can rot and we stick it in our refrigerator. And then come, depending on our planting schedule, spring or whenever, um, we plant them into these little plug cells and they germinate depending on the seeds. They might germinate anywhere from a couple days later to like 
three months later or a year later. <laughs> yeah. It really depends. Um, then we transplant them out into our bigger pots until the roots get big enough um, to sell. And then the person would buy it, break those roots up, mm -hmm. put it in their soil, water it in, and hopefully never have to worry there about it again. again. Yeah. Um, some of the seeds need even more... Um, care than that. Some of them have to have a scarification too or a scarification. Um, and we simulate a lot of that with a boiling water. It helps weaken that outer coat um, so that the moisture can get in and uh, trigger germination for those seeds. Some seeds have to go through like a double stratification period or a warm period and then a cold period mm. or like a two-year cycle. And um, it's like, it's kind of all about mimicking what it does in nature and then for the industry we just try to kind of speed that up a little bit um control it a little bit so that we can get it into people's yards yeah yeah, yeah. cool i've heard of the scarification before and some people on this a smaller scale were would like cut it or something or like mm -hmm. do some sort of abrasion mm -hmm. on it um when is that similar to what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, I tend to use the boiling water just because it's easy. It sounds so much it. easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So I literally put the seeds in a mug, pour boiling water over it, and then just let it sit for 24 hours. So obviously uh, it's not boiling for right, 24 hours, right, but right. Um, just sits in that water for 24 hours. But I have done, um, so like classes with kids or something on a smaller scale, I'll give them maybe um, two pieces of cardboard with sandpaper on them mm. and they just kind of rub it between the sandpaper oh. and that scratches up the surface that's a great idea and you're just thinking that's um so like the baptisia seeds are one of them the the wild indigos are one of them that needs to be scarified they have a really hard shell and you just think about what is that seed going through it's probably eaten by something maybe it's scratched by a beak maybe it goes through stomach acids that help break it down before it's germinated mm. um so those are the things that we're trying to to find a process around. Um, some plants have to have a host plant. So one mm. that I have still yet to be successful with is the Indian paintbrush, because mm. um, it um, has to have a host plant, typically of grasses. So I'm trying to grow it with grasses, and I still haven't. I know some nurseries have cracked the code there, but I'm still working on figuring out how to germinate um, some of those. So. Yeah. yeah. So with that Indian paintbrush that you're talking about, you have to grow it with another grass. Mm -hmm. So you have to like companion plant right. while you're seeding type of thing. Right. And I've experimented huh. both with planting like a grass seed with the Indian paintbrush mm. seed at the same time and also planting a grass, having it be established and then planting the seed in the established grass, the Indian paintbrush seed in the established grass. Um, in theory, that should work. Um, Again, I haven't had it work, so I need to figure out maybe what yeah. I'm doing wrong there. But they, yeah. they eat, they feed off of the roots of the grass. Oh, wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. In the Isn't early stage so cool? of life. Really? Wow. <laughs> they're hungry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're ready to get going. Exactly. Cool. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. When do you generally start your sales? Well, I mean, there's being sold right now really. yeah yeah so um this upcoming weekend is actually going to be our last weekend open of this year we're gonna 
take a break in the winter. Um, at this point, we don't sell dormant plants. There are some nurseries that you can find will sell dormant plants. Uh, we're not doing that yet. Um, but then we'll reopen in mid-April. So that third weekend in April is when we'll open cool. again. Um, in the spring, we're open every weekend. In the summer, we just go to first and third. And then this year for the fall, we did first and third. We're toying with maybe being open every weekend in the fall next year. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how that goes. But yeah, generally just on weekends for now. Um, we'll see where it goes from here. Exciting. We're ever changing, ever evolving. Yeah, yeah. Going with the flows of the plant people. Yeah. There, the amazing cool. plant people. Yeah. <laughs> the really great plant people. Yeah. Um, cool. That's so cool. Um, where do you get your seeds from? So all of our seeds are come from either a Kansas or a Missouri source. Um, actually, most of our seeds, we get a lot from Courtney Masterson. She's great. Thank you, Courtney. Collection. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's mostly on the Kansas side, and okay. that's where her network is. And we also get a lot of seeds from Missouri Wildflower Nursery. They're in um, Jefferson City, or outside of Jefferson City, Missouri. Um, great nursery, and been around for a long time. I really trust that they know what they're doing, and they're giving me the sources, the seed sources that I want. Um, Taylor Creek Nursery out near oh, you. Yeah. We get some seeds from them as well. Again, okay. they um, they do a good job of keeping track of all of the ecotypes where our, yeah. where their seeds are collected. So I, I can trust them as well. And then we collect some on our own. So um, especially out at Harmony, we have especially for the we have a really great remnant forest and for part of it that has amazing spring ephemerals, and we try to get some seeds from there or even here in our forest back here there's even some whatever survived the bush honeysuckle yeah <laughs> still right. thriving yeah uh, we took out some bush honeysuckle a couple years ago and we found all this pinstamon digitalis and we're like what this is awesome yeah so we Holy get, yeah. and there's columbine just naturally growing back there so some Fine. of our seeds we can get from here too cool yeah that's cool the whole seed collection process is a fun venture mm -hmm. to one share and show and like it's some things are really difficult you know mm -hmm. to figure out like wait what's you know you take off for example a flower head or like this coreopsis that we're looking at uh -huh. um taking off the seed head you're like okay what's the seed in here right and i feel like once you get started and you kind of understand plants and the seeds it's you can relatively like look at a plant that has seeds and you're like okay let's Let's figure it out. Let's dissect this Agree. a little bit deeper and yeah. get in there. Which of this is chaff and which of it yeah. is actually a seed? Yeah. yeah. And so what happens to me a lot, which is funny, um, for example, um, calendula, um, just an herb flower. It's really beautiful. It looks like a lot of some prairie plants, but it gets really big and bushy and um, it produces like a hook U-shaped seed. Hmm. Um, and that's pretty interesting yeah. because sometimes when you break it apart, you'll see other like chaff and like other like remnants that kind of look like it and uh -huh. you're just like okay wait is this a seed like you all look the same in here what's going on you know or even Put two seeds in i guess yeah. yeah yeah or even viable seed to seed that hasn't fully developed to things like that mm. you can kind of get it uh the more you do it you can kind of see those traits yeah 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 i wonder do you know of any resources of like seed 
collection books or anything like that? I'm not familiar. I am not. What I keep wanting to do is um, here in Kansas City, they have Kansas City Wildlands that you can um, volunteer with cool. and go out with them and do seed collection. Oh and gosh, you cool. could learn a lot um, just volunteering with places like that. Um, I've even been up to Dunn Ranch. There's a nature conservancy area up um, near Iowa and volunteered for some seed collection up there too. And uh, if you're, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about seed collection, I think that's a great place to go is to volunteer and do hands-on. Because yeah. like you said, the more you do it, you can kind of look at it, which is so much different than looking at what does the seed look like on the computer screen, right? right? right. Get your hands dirty and, and definitely find those those organizations and volunteer with them. Yeah, that's really great. I know that Courtney also, if you're in the Lawrence area as well, Courtney does a lot of seed collection workshops. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to get to one because of my work schedule, but um, gosh, those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just fun, and it's also fun because you're in the beautiful prairie spaces generally, and you get to see and witness it, you know, hands-on, and generally they're free. Like, most people don't. I've never seen them, like, you have to pay or whatever. Right. Depending. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a really great resource yeah. to look into for that. So, like, uh, Wildlands here in Kansas City, they might even be going down and collecting at Jerry Smith, which I was talking about earlier. And they use that seed to, in other areas, in other wild areas, to um, help increase the diversity of remnant plants mm. or to um, make reconstruction prairies so it's coming from a very local source um, and I think that is so fantastic that's spectacular yeah yeah wow and cool cool that you can work with a lot of different folks in town for sourcing that seed and for sourcing that locality of more native plants mm -hmm. um, and just expanding it further yeah um, and another thing we're hoping to do is as our gardens expand here our gardens become our seed source um, and then we're not taking it from nature so for example the columbine from our forest here several years ago we collected seed we planted some in our hummingbird garden up by the house and now I only collect seed from that plant in my hummingbird garden so that the, all the plants in the forest can reseed and do their thing back there and I'm not disturbing mm. that because mm. we do have to think about that we're taking seeds from nature um, to provide, you know, to, I, I still think it's important to do that to begin with, to get more plants out there and into our yards. But if we can get more of these, these uh, seed gardens um, installed, then that's less seed that we're taking from their, their natural areas. Yeah, that's, that's a good point to make of like the conscious stewardship um, and the conscious harvest, I think. Mm -hmm. Robin Welkimer goes over that in one of her books of, you know, being aware of what you're taking, um, whether that's a seed or a leaf or a flower, right. um, to be aware of, you know, like you are take, you know, it's, it is free, you know, but like <laughs> it, you're still taking it from somewhere, um, that can benefit from it just as much as we can. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seed garden is a great idea. That would be really cool, too, I think, on, like, a community level to have, like, a community garden where, you know, anybody can take seeds mm -hmm. from this area um, to just 
you know, help. I, I just had a customer last weekend say that she's trying to start a native plant seed exchange. So she started a group on Whoa. Facebook. So it, it's happening. Cool. It's out there. Hey, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Cool. That's a great idea. Yeah. Community resources like that are awesome mm -hmm. to have around. Our vision for this property is food. So food for creation, food for us as humans, and food for the soul. So as we continue to put our gardens in, um, the front of the house right now is just like a giant lawn, pretty typical lawn, which we actually have to mow. Um, it's our goal to basically make that a food forest. And we'll be mixing in both our native plant gardens, um, both native foods and non-native foods. So we plan on having fruit trees like mulberries and persimmons and pawpaws that are native to this area, but probably also some apples and pears or peaches or blueberries, uh -huh. um, things like that. Um, and in addition to the food that we eat, the food for the soul part, you notice we have a couple art installations so far and we plan on continuing that. Mm -hmm. We want to create a space for people to come and feel, feel welcomed, to feel relaxed, honestly, to feel loved mm -hmm. and connect with nature and have an area where they feel comfortable just slowing down, taking a deep breath. And that kind of guides us in the decisions that we make here. Um, I don't know if that specifically yeah. answered what you were going for there. I think that did. I think that did very wholeheartedly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's beautiful out here. You can tell that there has been a lot of love <laughs> put into it. Um, and the plants just look so great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's all you can ask for. Another thing on ethics is kind of goes to it. Right now we're, um, a challenge that we're discussing is parking. There's, this is our house, um, it just has a normal driveway and we're, we're discussing expanding for parking area. It's such a big discussion with us because we're trying to decide how to most environmentally friendly do this. So a lot of people would probably just put down concrete or asphalt, but um, those have very large um, carbon emissions tied to them. Uh, in addition, we'd be taking up plants. Right now, it's just a grass lawn, but still, that's still better than yeah. a solid, non-porous surface. Uh -huh. So we're discussing the options for how to most, what are the most environmentally friendly ways that we could do this and still provide beauty as well as function. That's kind of our motto, beauty and function. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I bet that's interesting to like be having those conversations because you're like selling plants and now you're like, okay, we need to find parking space. Yeah. You know, like people need to, we need to, you know, supply enough space for people to get here. Yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. I'm sure that's, it's a hard conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's also, you know, like, it's your yard, and uh -huh. even though it can get busy, 
But, like, when it's not busy, you have to, you know, you're living with that parking right. space. exactly. And so yep. trying to, like, find an equilibrium where, you know, you don't have to give up your whole entire front yard <laughs> or something uh-huh. for parking. It can, you know, be something in unison that can work well together, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. so when it's not a quote-unquote parking space, it's still yeah. providing a different kind of function. Right. Yeah, more yeah. form and function with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, and doesn't have a huge carbon footprint. Right. Right. Another good thing to think about, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that will be... I could definitely see food forest happening here. Yeah. That would be really cool. I think all those trees are great. I just got some pawpaws yesterday. Yay! Um, which are so good. <laughs> I love them so much. Did you get the fruits, or are you saying you got trees? I got the fruits. Oh, yeah. I got the fruit, yeah. <laughs> uh, it somebody, is somebody was selling it at the farmer's market, and... Um, I ended up going to the Lawrence Community Orchard after, and all the pawpaws were gone, mm. um, which happens. Uh-huh. And I saw them. I visited the trees early in the season when they were still on, and there were a bunch. Mm. Um, and so I'm sure there was other folks that were checking more regularly than I. But um, And other um, raccoons. Raccoon, other and, friends yeah, out there exactly. that are also, <laughs> like, yummy pawpaws. So good. Yeah. Um, I tried this one... Fruit. What was it called? I don't remember the name, but they grafted it onto a hedge tree, and it was from, it has, like, Asian descent of, and it's this little tiny red fruit. I should have brought some. It's not a persimmon, but it looks like a bush, Hmm. and it has this, it looks like a little, like, tiny brain. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Well, that sounds like persimmon. They get all wrinkly and gross, but... Um, I've not seen that. I don't but think. yeah, it was it was really cool. It was it tasted like a raspberry. Oh yum. Um but they're heartier, like they're more a little bit more denser, um, mm. and a little bit more sour than a raspberry, but still very delicious. Um so I was really excited about that like fruit new fruit adventure yeah. that I had there rather than a papa. So. That they could graft onto a hedge. Tree. A hedge. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> Who would have thought? Right. I think that they did that for, um, because it's not native to this area and it wouldn't grow, and so it needed a really hardy rootstock. Makes sense. Yeah. That's my guess. Sure. I believe I it. Know. You say yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know, but, um, cool. Still really, really cool. Really loved that. Um, yeah, Food Forests are such a, a cool project, and I love the, the time frame that it takes. It takes a long time, yes. um, but I feel like once it's going, that reward that one must feel is, like, not, like none other. I grew this. Yeah. <laughs> I took this amount of time, yeah. years, you know, sometimes, yeah. to get things started. Um, so it's really cool to really feel the fruit of that labor. Yes. Um, that makes me think of... Um, in the early spring, when all of our seeds start to germinate, mm-hmm. I get so excited every single year. Like, yeah. I don't think that miracle of life will ever, you know, I'll, I'll never get bored with it. It's just so cool. Like, look at them come alive. Yeah. They're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, I, I completely agree with you there, especially after around here, winters can be so bleak, um, mm-hmm. at least in color from being so green and lush and vibrant in the summer and then to go to like very like dull hues of which I still love the color yeah, I, say, like, yeah. I love the winter color scape but yeah. it's definitely like 
a drastic change. Uh-huh. Um, and with the trees not having leaves on it for a long period of time, um, being outside nature, is it's just different. Um, and it's really, really beautiful to be a part, like, to be interconnected. Oh, there's a snake. Where'd he go? Whoa. Oh, oh I see him. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hi, buddy. Cool. Come see us. Hello. <laughs> that was cool. It just, like, shuffled out of the grass really quick. Maybe trying to eat a toad or something. Probably. We've yeah. got lots of them. Yeah. I found a really cool... Was it a ringneck snake? It was very scaly. Hmm. Um, I don't think it was a copperhead, but it was very, very scaly, and I hadn't seen a snake like it before, and it just kind of, like, disappeared hmm. very quickly, um, which they... That's such a talent that they have. <laughs> it is, I am just, like, always in awe. I'm like, I really don't understand where you went. Right. Like, <laughs> how did you get there? Where did you come from? Where are you going? You know? Um, oh, now all the frogs are jumping. Oh. They're like, he's, they're coming. Yeah, we're like, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Snake is here. We're back. Oh, that's cute. Awesome. Um, yeah. That was, that was really interesting. I love interacting with that sort of, um, animal friends outside, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what are other ways that people can learn about your business? Um, what you do. We are on Facebook and Instagram um, at So Wild Natives, and we have a website too, SoWildNatives.com. Cool. And I should say that So is spelled S O W. Yeah. So there's two W's there, So yeah. Wild Natives. Um, yeah, those are places that you can find us the best, and feel free to reach out with us, reach out to us for with any questions that you have, or even if you have like a. a um, I'm sorry, I got distracted by this frog. Another frog! <laughs> oh, or a toad. I think it's a toad. But he was, like, oh, doing a so dance. Cute. He kept, like, putting right leg out, left leg out. Uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. So, um, um, if you have, like, a gardening club group or something like that, we definitely host tours or uh, things like that. So, yeah. Cool. Find Great. us there. Yeah. Exciting. Um, so, maybe the last few questions... What is your favorite plant? Oh gosh, it doesn't have to be one. It could be like a bundle because I definitely don't have like one plant that I can choose. Yeah, Um, mine actually would be the blazing stars, the liatris. Um, If you see our logo, it is a blazing star with a monarch on it, which was actually one of the inspirations. What really sold me to natives as you get one stalk of blazing star, and you'll easily have. 12 monarchs flying around it as well as you look closer there's several skippers and then there's bees and that's just one stock of yeah. blazing star and it's yeah. so amazing so i would say that would be probably number one um another thing that i love is um i think especially on the ca- kansas side they call it a cat briar or sensitive briar um, it has a beautiful magenta ball of it's not really fluff but kind of think of a puff ball with wow. these fluorescent yellow balls on the end of it which is so cool and then if you touch the it's it's in the legume family so it has that you know legume leaf 
a complex leaf. Mm -hmm. um, and if you touch it, it folds up. So that's the sensitive part of it. So cool. those are probably my two favorite. Cool. I love Leatus. Yes. So pretty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We briefly touched on, but the pollinator benefits yes. of native plants is like out of this world. Absolutely. Monarchs 100% included in that. Absolutely. Yeah. As well as, yeah, all of our fantastic native bees. Some of them are so small, we don't even recognize that they're there. Right. It's so much fun. And it's so much fun um, for kids of all ages uh, to just go out into the native garden and look closely. Just spend even five minutes looking in like one spot and just naming all, or probably can't even name, I couldn't name, just observing all the little insects that mm -hmm. that little plant is supporting is so much fun. Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. The kids do benefit from nature in general, and especially native nature, mm -hmm. you know? For sure. Um, Love having the kids out here and exploring nature. Yeah, that would that would be so much fun. Mm -hmm. that, I think that's a great idea for kids to come out here, and I'm sure they enjoy it. The they experience. do. One of my favorite things of this job is when families are leaving and I hear kids say, Mom, can we come back here? Yeah. Yes. Oh, Yay. so cute. <laughs> yeah. They're like so into it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, fun. So much to touch, so much to feel. Mm -hmm. Like the sensory garden you were talking about, how cool. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Uh, so what is your favorite prairie moment that you've had? So my prairie moment is actually a collection of moments. So growing up, um, I grew up in eastern Kansas, but my parents both grew up in western Kansas, so a lot of my family was back there. Um, we were fortunate that my mom was a teacher, had summers off, so we spent a lot of summers out west. But we took dozens of trips back and forth, I-70, mm -hmm. from eastern Kansas to western Kansas through the Flint Hills. And that's... I, so many people talk about how flat Kansas is and how boring it is. I love Kansas. I yeah. think it is beautiful. Driving through the Flint Hills there, especially near like Manhattan, Junction City before there, even starting just west of Topeka, it's just gorgeous. And the amount of color that you see in grassland and the, the hues of greens and golds, even auburn of those flowing grasses, um, especially at sunset. I, I, I've been in love with the prairies since then. So even now, when we drive through there, I just get, I just love that view that I got to enjoy since I was, before I could remember even. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That is a good drive. Yeah. It's like the one drive, the one, like the part of the drive where you're like, this is going to sell them. You know, <laughs> this is going to get them in. Right, right. See, you Kansas know? is beautiful. Yeah, we told you. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks yeah. for asking. Yeah. There's so much good things about it. I'm always curious on what everybody's take is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I love, yeah, listening to everybody's answers when you ask. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Um... Are there any other initial things that you want to talk about right now? Oh, boy. <laughs> Doesn't Come see to... us. Yeah. <laughs> Come check it out. Yeah, go like, outside. Yeah. Get yeah. dirty. Right. Explore. Right. Ah, totally. Fantastic. Um, well, this won't go live before your, your next um, oh, release. Yeah. But... 
I should have said that when yeah. we... Uh, um, but next year, people can follow up and... Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and yeah. check out our website, and we'll let you know when we're opening. And yeah. we always try to update our website. We have a products page with what's going to be available that upcoming weekend, what cool. species are available. Fantastic. And on that website, you can... Um, right now, it's just a list, but if you click on the name of the plant, uh, it'll open a page telling you all about that plant. Fantastic. Yeah. Great source of information. Yeah. 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 And we use other sources of information, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. 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 Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing everything Thanks for today. coming out. Oh, my gosh. This has been so cool. It's great to yeah. have you out. Yeah. I've loved it. It's been really good. Oh, my gosh. What was that? I think that was a frog, maybe. We have seen a snapping turtle in here a few times. A little baby snapping turtle in here a few times this year. I haven't seen it in weeks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Prairie Ramblings podcast. Hope you were able to enjoy this week's episode. If you have a desire, please feel free to like and share this episode with some like-minded individuals as well as leaving a review or a comment would be very helpful and very much appreciated. A special thanks to Austin at Nessera Studios for helping produce this podcast, as well as Anchor for being a great medium for finding like other like-minded individuals on the internet. All right, thanks again and have a great rest of your day. See ya.